Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If you're customer-minded and provide real value, there's just so much opportunity in real estate and people are going to sense that and you can provide real service. And fortunately, you can make a lot of money providing that service. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff with us today. Mark Stubler. How you doing, Mark? Joe, thank you. I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on. Well, my pleasure. And I'm glad you're doing awesome. A little bit about Mark. He is the founder of Joe Homebuyer. He's got five years of real estate experience. His portfolio consists of 100 plus flips, over 500 transactions, which includes wholesale flips and wholetails. Based in South Jordan, Utah. Website is joehomebuyer.com. With that being said, Mark, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah. Thank you, Joe. So owner and founder of Joe Homebuyer franchise. So we're out there just having a great time as a lot of your listeners will appreciate playing the game in real estate investing, including wholesaling, fixing flips and doing the best we can to capture rentals. But in a crazy market right now, I'm finding that I'm passing on rentals and capturing immediate revenue because the market's just so good. And when you find these distressed properties, we all know that they're just worth their weight in gold. So it's an exciting time in the industry to be a part of, but just grateful to be in real estate, Joe. I love what I've learned over the years, and it's just been a fun journey. And what I believe to be one of the best industries in the world, real estate just affords so many opportunities. What were you doing before you are doing this? I was your fence and deck salesman, the guy that shows up and gives you a quote on your fence. So mm-hmm. no real estate experience. Okay. And how long were you a fence and deck salesman? I was actually working with a great company for 10 years, and wow. that has a little bit of a story in of itself. Great company, made great commissions. But about 10 years in, Joe, they gave me a gift. They made me go from an outside sales guy to once in a while, they wanted me to come in for inside sales position for about four hours a day. And I call it the gift because it went from complete autonomy, fluid, set my own schedule to I'm sharpening pencils for four hours, helping out with the inside sales. And it changed Didn't my perspective. Like that, of, no, no. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm not on my own. I'm not, I don't have complete autonomy. And it was like handcuffs to me. It completely changed my perspective and put me on the course of entrepreneurship. Okay. What did you learn there that has been applied to what you're doing now? A lot. 
a lot of it was how to just connect with people and to problem solve. Although I was selling fencing products, I realized it's a human connection that has helped us be successful in the real estate world is people just want to know that they're working with somebody that's fair, honest, and those are cliche. People work with people they know, like, and trust, but just connecting with people and helping them solve their problems. And if you can get good at that in this world of real estate, finding creative ways to work with people, boy, that has made all the difference of just being mindful of the needs of the sellers that we're working with and finding creative solutions. And that's been an area that I really enjoyed. And I learned a lot in years of just working with people in sales. You mentioned earlier that you're in the business of wholesaling, flipping, wholesaling, and capturing rentals and holding onto the rentals when it makes sense. But right now, it makes more sense according to you. And it makes sense to me that you'd say this, that to get the chunks of cash from selling properties and then hoard that cash and then eventually buy rentals when the prices are lower. So the logic there is, from my standpoint, I get it. But the challenge that most people have is finding those distressed deals. So how are you finding the distressed deals? We're really big at Joe Homebuyer and we teach our franchisees the same thing. It's all about diversity. So we have our hands in all the main marketing channels, including direct mail, web, prospecting efforts. We even do a lot of JV partnerships, becoming the celebrity in each of our markets. So for us, I feel like the most effective way, and particularly when they're extremely difficult to find in a very strong market, you have to be diversified. You can't rely on one marketing channel exclusively because there's ebbs and flows with the success of those marketing channels. And it's important that you're well-balanced and diversified. And we found the most success approaching it that way. Makes sense. So let's talk specifics. So will you list all the different tactics you use? Not in granular detail, but you said direct mail is one and then joint venture partners is another. What's another one? We're really big still on the outside prospecting. So in addition to those, we do a lot of outbound calling and that's reaching out to people, offering to pay cash for their homes and obviously focusing on the right targeted list. And those Mm -hmm. lists would be things with life motivation or life altering factors going on in the people's behind the scenes, the affairs in the people's lives, whether it be a bankruptcy or a divorce or a probate, an inherited home, any number of these things that could drive someone to needing relief from their property. And that's where our service comes in, where we can help find a solution for their property. So we focus on life situations and we do that through the prospecting efforts is a big one for us, as well as direct mail still is alive and well. We put a lot of effort into direct mail and that includes all those different campaigns. And we diversify ourselves even within direct mail, meaning if there's 25 different campaigns or these life situation type motivating lists, we focus on each of them. And we obviously try to find the art of what's the cadence, what's the volume that we need to hit in order to get the best results. What is typically the cadence and the volume? Well, we like highly targeted lists to approach very frequently. So maybe even as often as every month or every two or three months. And then those that are extended out over something that maybe doesn't have as many life situation factors to it. Maybe the only thing is, is it's in an attractive area and it has equity. So it fits into a zip code that is attractive to us and it has equity. That list might be something where we hit them a few times a year. So the frequency is also based off of what we're trying to discover as being what drives people to make decisions the soonest. Maybe that might be a probate list, for example. A probate is somebody that inherits a home. Generally speaking, there's going to be a higher percentage of those of people that need an exit for that property because they didn't intend to end up with it. 
So that would be one that I'd want to be more aggressive with. Okay. Makes sense. Let's go with the example of an attractive area. So affluent area and they likely have equity in their home. Maybe they've owned it a while. Does your direct mail piece messaging say something specific to their situation? That's a great question. And the simplest answer is we do everything. We'll do something that says specifically, hey, are you tired of being a landlord? Do you inherit a property? Yes. But we haven't got to the point where we are going away from just general as well. I found a lot of success from the general. So if you ask me if the specialized is like slam dunk better, I would tell you that when you're dealing with motivated sellers or dealing with people that could benefit from a cash transaction because they already fall into these different criteria and these different lists, the general still remains the most effective, although the highly targeted to the specific list has its place. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. And remember to mention the Best Ever Podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. You haven't tested out the messaging for that specific niche or different niches. Is that correct? Yeah, I didn't answer that very well, Joe. At the end of the day, yeah, we've tested a few of them. And we generally find ourselves going back to the generic message, but with a message that is doing two things, survive and thrive. It's hard to describe exactly what that means without having a postcard in front of me and reading it exactly. But it's this idea of if they work with me, they can survive whatever they're going through and they can thrive, meaning that there's a solution, that there's a plan. So I guess I'm giving a nugget without maybe answering the question directly. I believe that if you can address those two things in your marketing pieces, and this isn't according to Mark Stubler, this is a concept that we've learned studying different marketing techniques, story brand. If I put a plug out there for them, they give me nothing for sharing their name, but they're really big into this idea of sending a message that you can survive and thrive. So yes, Joe, there's definitely a place for very targeted, 
but we've defaulted in most cases to a general message of whether you're going through probate eviction or a tired landlord or any of these things, that if we can send a message to them that they can survive and thrive through a solution of working with our company, that's the underlining theme that we find universal for every one of our campaigns. So you've been at this for approximately five years. What has changed in your approach that has made a big business impact? What has changed from our approach that's made your, a big so from business your, impact? Yeah, from your initial approach, what were you doing before that you're not doing now or you're doing better now than you were before that's made a big difference? Great question. For us, it's about the acquisitions. I think in the early days, Joe, when I was evaluating these opportunities that would come in, these leads, we were looking for layups. We had this mindset of, okay, people are going to call and they're going to be extremely motivated and they're going to sell their house because they have various levels of distress that they're going through. And I've realized over time that although that's still true, that the funnel is actually bigger than that, that we're not looking just for people that are so-called layups, like, hey, come buy my house today. I need to get out of this situation by this day. That if you have quality connections with people, build a solid relationship and are good at problem solving, finding out what the crux of why in the world did this person call me from a 39 cent postcard? Why is this person talking to my cold caller and engaging in the idea of getting a cash offer? If we can get to the crux of that, I believe that there's more opportunity out there than the ones that just at face value say, hey, come buy my house. It's a slam dunk type thing that I've discovered over the course of time that there's an art to the acquisition, that it's meaningful conversations and really engaging with the seller and finding out what's going on, the distress behind the scenes, that there's actually more opportunity available through making that human connection and really discovering the needs of the seller there's actually more opportunities than what meets the eye because we get conditioned that, oh yeah, this person sounds like this when they're ready to sell their house. They're going to call me up and they're going to give me just a wildly great price. And I'm going to know instantly that this is a slam dunk. And if we look for those exclusively, they're there and you can be extremely profitable. And those are great opportunities. But there's more than that as you discover that people, as you unpeel the layers of the onion, so to speak, there's more opportunities within the opportunities you're creating for yourself. What are some questions that you ask or your team asks on a call to identify why they're really calling you and what their needs are? As crazy as it sounds, we make it not about the house and not about the price. We make it about why. That's the question, the why. Why are they calling me off a 39 cent postcard? What is it that's going on? We really want to engage with the seller and find out if there's some way that we can provide them value. And that value might be not working with me. That might be that I steer them in the direction of working with an agent that we can refer them to. That might mean that they do some light rehab and they do it themselves, but that I'm customer minded. I have this idea in my mind that I'm going to get to the bottom of what's going to help this person find a solution. We've actually bought homes from referrals of people that we didn't buy homes. They said, Hey, I had a great conversation with this guy. You ought to call this company. And we went and bought the home because they felt like we treated them well. And although it didn't meet their criteria, they were able to point us in the direction of somebody else. Sure. That's few and far between, but it's happened enough that we know that if we engage with everybody as if we can provide them value, and hopefully that's us buying the home for cash and making it a smooth transaction. But if we engage them, really trying to discover what their needs are and providing value to them, we found that it opens up opportunities to provide real value. And sometimes that translates to a referral from that same person. But that's the answer. As far as specific questions, I think that was your question, Joe, is what types of things? We're really trying to get to the crux of, they might say, hey, I just need to get out of this house because I'm in a situation where my daughter's bringing home negative influences. This is a real scenario for us recently Mm -hmm. where this lady is trying to sell her home because her daughter is bringing home 
people and drugs and situations that I don't feel safe in my own home anymore. I've got to sell it. So then it's going into the, well, what can we do to help you feel safe? How can we help problem solve? How can we put you in a position? Is it getting you a hotel tonight so that you actually do feel safe and navigate along the way? And that's where we find a ton of enjoyment is helping find those creative ways to solve the family's problems. That's a helpful example. Thank you for that with the hotel offering. Did you end up putting her up in a hotel? That situation, what we ended up doing is we helped her get her daughter evicted (laughs) and we still bought the home and we helped her move, provided a U-Haul and gave her about two weeks in the home after closing so that she could make the transition. So there was about three or four other things. The hotel didn't end up being one that was necessary, but yeah, there was a few creative ways in which we were able to provide value. Good, good, good. What a great story. What deal have you lost the most amount of money on? Well, there's the opportunities that we've lost because we just didn't handle the lead right. There was one that a seller had 13 properties that he wanted to sell. And we had an acquisition manager that wasn't invested into the things that we talked about. Great guy, just found himself in a spot where he had lots of leads. So instead of giving as much energy to that one opportunity as the others, we left a massive one slip through the cracks. A guy that had 13 properties was willing to do a fair price on each of them. And he went to a very viable competitor because he felt like the other company was more invested in finding him a solution. And so that was a painful one recently for us to lose is the seller that found more reassurance that he could be guided by this other group than us. And that's an area we put a ton of focus. And unfortunately, you have to have some of those kicks in the pants so that the next ones you do a little bit better on. Now, that wasn't a deal you lost money on. That was a missed opportunity which you might argue was losing money, but it's not actual dollars from your bank account. So what deal have you lost the most amount of money on from your bank account? Joe, you're going to think I'm making this up. As you mentioned in the greeting there that I've done about 500 transactions, about a hundred of those have been rehabs. Believe it or not, the most I've lost on a deal is about $5,000. And it was more just by the time you washed it all out, the rehab, it just took way too long. And by the time it all just kind of surfaced, it wasn't as much as a financial loss as it was just a distraction loss because the city came in at the midnight hour after everything was done and said, this that needs to be done because we didn't go about it the right way and get a permit. And believe it or not, Joe, because we focus so much on being as conservative as we are and wholesaling the ones that are on the fringe, and I'm knocking on wood as I'm saying this, Joe. <laughs> I'll uh, knock on it for you. Too. Yeah. We have not experienced a massive blow from a financial bank account loss. I get that if the focus is on wholesale and hotel, how many fix and flips have you done? All in all, between the two markets we're in, aside from the franchise across the country, we have done about 100 rehabs. So there's going to be listeners that have done far more than that. But yeah, we've done about 100, anywhere from just carpet and paint all the way through a massive rehab. Our biggest rehab that we've ever done, Joe, is about 150,000. It needed about 30, 40,000 in foundation repair, and then about 100 and some odd in cosmetic That's about the extent of the most robust one we've done, but that one ended up being wildly profitable. Well, I'll share the number with you. We ended up making 180,000 on it. And to me, that's a slam dunk. Yeah. But we bought it for 196. We put, like I said, about 50,000 in foundation repair, a little over a hundred into it. And by the time realtor fees and all that were closed out, we made about 180,000. But we generally stay in the range of carpet paint, maybe cabinets, maybe counters, And because that, I think we're moderating our risk. We're also moderating our distraction. We're really focused on finding the next opportunity. And because of that, we don't want to get too heavy into too many projects where it requires too much management. 
But again, using that model, it's kept us out of trouble, losing money. But again, it's only a fraction of our business. Like I said, not even probably one fourth of our transactions end up in a rehab for us. We'll get back to the show. First, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. When you do rehab, and I know it's less than 25%, but when you do rehab, what's the average rehab budget? Sounds like it's 10000 I probably downplayed it a little bit. It's probably closer to twenty-five. By the time okay. you paint carpet, we'll generally do the counters, toilets, new doors, light fixtures. I mean, I'd say that's phenomenal to have over 100 fix and flips with a $25,000 average rehab budget and have only lost money on one deal, and that deal was about $5,000. Yeah, honestly, I feel really fortunate. I will tell you, we made probably the riskiest decision to buy a property for 296000 this year. Mm-hmm. It needed virtually nothing, but we ended up painting it because after we cleaned it, we found that it just had a kind of a dingy feel. Didn't replace the flooring, just painted it. It had been rehabbed about two, three years prior. And when I say it was the riskiest, the comps said it was only worth 325. And we're like, look, we're not buying that. Everything's going above appraisal and everybody's making commitments with money down above appraisal. We ended up selling that, I believe for 345. We weren't wildly profitable. I think we ended up netting 24 or 26 on it. Because all we had was a little bit of money cost and the paint that I mentioned, cleaning it out, that sort of thing. But that was probably the extent of how risky we get when we knew that the only way to make money on this transaction is it actually has to go above appraisal and it has to go above whatever the comps are currently showing. And we rolled the dice on that one. That one was a break even if it didn't go that way. And luckily between realtor fees and that sort of thing, cost of money. But generally speaking, we don't get ourselves in that position very often. And so we're not losing money And let's be honest, over the last five, six years that I've been doing this, the market's only been going up. So if I'm using conservative numbers as I run my pro forma, and I'm conservative by nature, and the market is continuing doing well, I've been the benefactor of a good market. And so it's important as I go into the future and navigate the market conditions potentially changing, that my rules as far as what I believe to be conservative need to be evaluated so that I'm not putting myself in a position where I can lose big for sure. How many rentals have you purchased? We have kind of a unique way of doing that, Joe. We actually like keeping rentals free and clear and then putting HELOCs against them so we can use it for operating capital. So we have a handful of those and then we have a handful of subject twos. Personally, I'm only at about 15 doors, give or take, Um, but we own a few of those. That's phenomenal for five years, in my opinion, but obviously you are hard on yourself, but for 15 doors in five years, that's pretty dang good pace. Can I tell you why I'm hard on myself though? I've seen 500 transactions go through the door and it's like, man, I can't believe we didn't keep a higher percentage. But those ones that come in, Joe, that I'm thinking, this is a slam dunk rental all day long. We explore options. We send it out to our buyers list. We start to flirt with what the best exit strategy is going to be. And we get talked out of it nine and a half out of 10 times because the market's so good. Mm -hmm. I assume you're saving a chunk of cash to then get those rentals whenever the market isn't as good. Exactly. Over the course of time, we've been able to get ourselves in a pretty healthy cash position. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, it's going to go a little bit different direction. And I think it will tie a bow on some of the things I shared, Joe. And that is 
that if you care about other people, you're going to be able to differentiate yourself against the eye buyers, the competition, because people want a human connection. They want to feel like they're working with somebody that provides real value. We've never forced anybody, Joe, to sell their house to us. If we put a contract together with a seller and it ends up being determined that they are better staying in the home, which happens a fraction of the time, we allow them to stay in the home. Now we make them a truth teller. We make sure that they can't sell it to another cash buyer. And we put a few checkpoints in place. But at the end of the day, we believe that we can provide a real service. And if somebody has a change of heart or circumstances change and they need to stay in the property, we really want to have their best interest in mind. So simply said, if you're customer minded and provide real value, there's just so much opportunity in real estate and people are going to sense that and you can provide real service and Fortunately, you can make a lot of money providing that service. It's not a nonprofit scenario that I'm pitching here. I'm saying you can make a ton of money, but at the same time, you can do it the right way, providing real value. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right. Best ever book you've recently read? Ooh, The Rhythm of Life. Love, love, love that book. Do you remember the author? Matthew Kelly. Thank you. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? Time. I love to get my kids involved as well. I love to do things that are meaningful from a service, hands, get your hands dirty type thing. And I need to do it more. So this is challenging me. If I'm going to be preaching it from a podcast, I've got to do even more of it, Joe. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? If you're interested in just having a friend in the world, reach out to me on Facebook, Mark Stubler. You'll find me S-T-U-B-L-E-R, just how it sounds. If you're interested in becoming a Joe Homebuyer franchisee, If you want to use our best practices in your market and become part of our community of franchisees that are just getting exceptional results in the world of investing and wholesaling, you can find us at joehomebuyerfranchising.com and would love to connect with you and talk with you more about the Joe Homebuyer opportunity. Mark, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your experiences with the transactions you've had over the last five years how your experience leading up to these five years has helped you out connecting with people and problem solving. And ultimately, that's a key part of the equation is being good at problem solving and really learning why they're calling and offering up solutions that are addressing that, not necessarily just transactional based in nature. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day and talk to you again soon. Thank you again, Joe.